what is episode four of the Connecting Construction podcast. I'm your host, Evan Hill, along with Matthew Sprague. You may notice that there might be an absent voice among us today. Uh, Dan Connery, our uh, our favorite contributor, is actually out on PTO today, uh, spending time with his family. So a very reasonable excuse to miss the show today. Uh, Dan will miss your voice and we'll have him back next week. But today we've got a really good episode planned for you. Uh, but before we jump into that, let me just go through a quick couple housekeeping items for you. Number one, if you missed episode three, James Hillegas of Reliance Interiors, we had him on last week. He's a contractor in the prefab market. Highly, highly recommend you go back and watch that show. Uh, we talked about everything from the changing landscape of technology adoption within different sectors and fields within construction to, you know, tips for those looking to break into the industry, especially maybe college students and the younger generations looking to pursue a career either in the owner or contractor space. So we went on for about an hour, a couple, a couple of weeks ago, highly recommend that show. James is sort of like a influencer, I guess you could say on, on LinkedIn. So he's a popular face, a popular head. Definitely go check out that show if you missed it. So this week, like I said, we are without Dan, but that is okay since he is with his family. So Matt and I will tag team today's conversation, but without further ado, I want to, actually, I'm not even going to speak for you, Benjamin. I'm going to let you speak for yourself, Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin Crosby of Yates Construction is our guest for today's show. Uh, Benjamin, why don't you tell us or tell the, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, both personally, professionally, and our relationship to you? Thank you. Appreciate that, Evan. I'm happy to be on today. Uh, Benjamin Crosby. I'm the director of BIM and virtual design and construction for the Yates companies. Um, it's been a long and, and fun road to, to end up here. And as we were talking about just before we got started about Scottsdale, and I grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona, and saw construction coming up around me all the time. As a little kid, going on walks, watching the framing, the concrete pouring, um, enjoying it. Um, and I've just always liked the idea of building and, and doing that. And so then when I was cruising my way through college um, and went to college to study math and physics, and then somewhere along that road, I found out, wait, you can get a degree in construction? I can go learn about that? And so I switched over the next semester and started pursuing construction. And it's just been absolutely awesome and wonderful, uh, super fun. Where did you go to college, if you don't mind me asking? I went to Brigham Young University. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't stay in state and go to ASU or U of A or something like that. Maybe that's um, a, that, those a were options as well. Uh, but it turned out that I was um, the the my mom had attended BYU, my dad had attended ASU. Um, mom won. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you root for when it comes to college football? I'm sorry, I have to ask that. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing with being from the Southwest is it's. You, it's not the SAC, not the SEC. You're not like everybody's not into it all the time. And so I didn't really know about college football until I moved to Mississippi. And then all of a sudden, holy cow! Now I have to have someone to root for. And so um, now that I'm here, I, I, I find myself rooting for the the team that I think will have the the best conversation come Monday around the office. So tell tell the listeners a little bit more about what you do uh, professionally in your role at Yates. Okay, so what it is, is I started off with Yates as project manager, um, was the general project manager on a 
$200 million project, you know, running projects, doing that sort of thing. I also was heavy into scheduling. That's how I ended up project management. And so I, I knew all that came together. And then this BIM VDC started things started coming along and I saw the opportunity to correct so many of the, the difficulties we had on projects, the communications and drawings, the details, difficulties, scopes of work, all of that could be fixed with BIM. And so I started diving into that. Um, and so I started making my own models, right? Download a piece of free software and start working on it and make those changes, communicate the stuff I need to. And that just picked up and just started going really well. And so then get off that project and we start needing to have someone that can do MBDC kind of on a corporate level, guide others. Hey, that thought that'd be great. The president of the company talked to me about doing that, figured, hey, this will be one or two years. We'll get this figured out, know what we're doing, and I go back to project management. Well, 11 years later, I am still a director of BIM BDC um, because the technology continues to grow. And that has also changed some. I don't just do the BIM BDC part. I'm now the product productivity champion for the company. And so I am trying to make sure our lean and our schedule and our BIM and our contract terms are all lining up for our crews to be as productive as possible. Cool. Well, I, 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 one question popped into my head just before we dive into our topics here. You mentioned how you were, how your interest sort of peaked early on in construction. Just out of curiosity, and maybe it's a simple no is the answer to this question. But did you have anybody in your family who worked in construction, or maybe a mentor who who did, or something like that? Like, what initially piqued that interest? It was walking around those houses being built in Scottsdale, Arizona in the early 80s. <laughs> and that's really what it was because my family is ranchers and farmers and businessmen and politicians. And here I am in construction, uh, living the high life now. <laughs> well, I, I'd be curious to know if, do you think you'll ever return to Scottsdale one day? And I know that's a off topic question, but I'm curious. So Scottsdale is exceptionally different. When I lived there, there was <laughs> desert behind my home. I hunted rabbits, built forts, you know, uh, that sort of thing. We had to worry about coyotes and our pets. Sure. Um, Scottsdale now is a um, concrete jungle. <laughs> that is definitely accurate. <laughs> and so I, I'm more of a rural guy. Even here in Mississippi, I, we have an acre and we have some room. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather live somewhere I could have a, a spare horse and a cow. Well, I don't blame you on the acre on the sort of, you know, rural preference. I mean, if you want an acre in Scottsdale and this is off to, off topic, but if you want an acre in Scottsdale, central North Scottsdale, you're talking a minimum of 1.2, 1.3 million probably. Like it is it is crazy the amount of development that is going on here. So, anyways, that was that was just a funny little background conversation we were having, but I um, mean here a little bit. It'll it'll help uh, write the course a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm going to kind of dovetail off of, of something that you said, Benjamin, where you talked about how you kind of came into the position that you're in now in terms of BIM and VDC, that it was um, circumstantial or opportunistic that you, you kind of saw a need and you filled the need and, and here you are today. Um, and so I would say like with, with what's currently going on today, and I'm not necessarily talking about COVID-19, um, that, although that seems to be a, 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 a fairly significant change in circumstances. Um, but do you see uh, new opportunities for, not necessarily yourself, 
but for other people to take advantage of, 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 of things that are currently in place or things that you might see coming down the road that there's going to be a definitive need for. Uh, so kind of like the see a need, fill a need type type scenario. All right. So curveballs at you. <laughs> no, these are fun. I don't want softball answers. I'm ready for a debate. Let's go. So, uh, so the, the, the needs that need to be filled, the, the need is greater productivity, greater production, greater efficiency. And I loved listening. You talked to James on episode three, where he talked about what he's done with the tracks and the drywall and, and the easy assembly. They're notched. They're, they're, they just have to put it together. They don't have to lay it out. That need is what we're looking for. And that fits in all sorts of different ways. That fits in with masonry, whether you're running sand, the masonry robot, or, you know, or you're still using mules or the, which would be the robotic mules, not standard mules. Um, those sort of things. That's the need there is to be able to be that much more productive and efficient. And then, of course, BIM plays into that. Scheduling plays into that. Collaboration plays into that. Um, software, like that's how I come to meet you guys with Trimble is moving into project sites and using that to manage all of our software. That increases the communication and the productivity of the teams. All of that has to come together to make us more efficient and better at what we're doing because the rest of all the industry is, is getting more productive and efficient. We have to keep pace. So I have to ask you, uh, obviously Matt mentioned COVID-19. Last time I think we spoke to you was in May or June, maybe it was July. I don't know. It feels like quarantine feels like a blur right now. Um, but how, how, how have things changed for you, the projects you're managing uh, since we last spoke to you? All right, so we've gotten a handle you know, you have you wear a mask, you check temperatures coming in, you, you, you know, people show up sick, you quarantine them. And so the, you know, the risk of outbreaks and stuff on the project site just isn't what we, you know, it's not as bad as we thought that would be. At the same time, you know, I was just checking recently, architectural starts are still down, right? And so no new projects are starting. So that has me really wondering what's coming forward for construction in the next few months. There's not as many proposals as we're used to things like that. So you taste the proposals you have with a greater effort. And so the, the change is how do we move from booming construction to potentially a lot less construction? And so that's kind of the thought process now. How do we focus in on the projects we have, make them more efficient, make sure that they do the best they can, which you always want to do the best you can, but you've got to double down. That's one of the difficulties when everything else around you seems to slow down. I mean, school is slowing down. Everything else is slowing down. How do I not slow down? How do I make sure that I stay keen and I'm up to speed and keep things running? And so the, the major changes are with everything slowing around us, um, you know, lots of jobs coming back, but it still has that slow feel to it. How do I up the pace for the, the coming months? and get our construction path back on track where we want it to be. So, so an interesting, um, I don't know if you read um, the McKinsey, latest McKinsey report. It's a ni nice, easy 90 page read, no big deal. Um, uh, but, and, but I'm a, I guess I'm a total nerd. So I, I read through it. Um, and one of the takeaways um, that, that I found interesting 
and I've already had a conversation with a differing point of view. So um, I'd be interested in hear, hearing your take on it. One of the things that they said that was going to be, so that the title of the report was uh, the next normal in construction. And in uh, one of the, the, I think they had eight or nine different kind of bullet points that they said were, were specific areas that there was going to be a change in that will help, or rather there will be changes in to help increase productivity and efficiencies and to, to kind of survive the next thing. One of the things they said was that general contractors are going to need to specialize in order to, 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 to recognize those efficiencies, to become better at building hospitals and to modularize and to, to, to hone in their, their supply chain and prefabrication and so on and so forth. Now, I, I read that I had a conversation with a colleague here at Trimble who's been in the industry, I think, for, for 30 years wearing all different hats. And he brought up that the last economic downturn in 2008, um, basically that what happened was is that some general contractors also specialized, but what happened was is that that backlog, we'll just stay with the hospitals, dried up and then they were in deep trouble again. But where, where do you or does Yates, whichever one you're most comfortable talking about, uh, kind, of, kind of fit on that in the, in kind of the reaction to that need for specialization. So as you were talking, part of that comes back to me and um, construction, we might be a company, but we're a company of individuals. And Yates is a group of individuals. And so we have people that have healthcare experience. We have people that have automotive experience. We have people that have um, casino experience, We schools you have to have those people available to make sure you you come to that particular specialization with the right knowledge um, as a company needing to specialize um, lots of the the lessons carry over so you know we take and interesting lately you know pursuing work and you have um, a company that's taking an industry that typically doesn't do ultra fast track and they are looking to put up a very large amount of work in a very short period of time. And it's not a casino and it's not an industrial turnover, but we're able to bring a whole bunch of our experience from casino work and industrial turnover work where we're working two shifts all night, stuff like that, to this other project. And we have experience in their typical type of work, and now they're doing that work very differently. And so that crossover is hugely beneficial. Be able to, um, it's cross-training, right? And there's a huge benefit to cross-training. So I like the idea of, of knowing what you're good at and not reaching out into stuff you've never done before. But at the same time, the cross-training I see is highly beneficial. So you're basically saying specialization based on the talent that you have uh, or, the, or the experience that you have access to. That's right. And you always want to reach out in maybe a new area, but you're going to do it cautiously. You always love that when you hear about somebody, hey, this is our this is our first courthouse. And you're like, well, have you done anything similar? No. Okay, well, let's not make it the biggest courthouse in the nation when you go to reach out there. Let's start with a smaller courthouse and grow something. You know, Ben, I'm actually going to throw you on the spot a little bit. You didn't, you didn't read that McKinsey report. I, I don't think it sounds like, obviously, but... Um, 
Matt mentioned that there were nine key areas that the construction industry would accelerate change towards. When you think about this current COVID-19 pandemic, just to spin the conversation a little bit, what are like the top one to two things or changes or, or concepts you see accelerating, you know, either towards adoption or evolution or change post COVID-19 in construction? Well, one of the biggest things is I've been reporting, you know, virtual coordination and WebEx meetings and doing these meetings remotely a whole bunch. And now everybody was forced to do that. So your people that were not as open to that in the past are now open to these coordination meetings. I mean, I was flying all over the country on a regular basis to go to meetings and to proposals and to talk to clients and do things like that. And I haven't flown anywhere since March. My, my life is, is flipped around on that part. Um, but it's also good because we're learning we can have these meetings and be effective without the flights, without the hotel time, without the downtime. And so that is carrying over into our projects and the people that don't need to spend two hours in a vehicle commuting back and forth might not need to commute. At the same time, construction is still very physical. And so a big hit to us has been our last planner meetings. I mean, we're, we're used to those big group meetings, getting all the foremen in there, really going through, talking to it, how the day is going to go. And now that big group is not the desired meeting format. And so that pushes that electrical as well. And so then we have to look at software that can support our last planner lean processes. Whereas before, I strayed away from that software. It's like, what happens is everybody goes digital. They stop looking at each other. They stop talking to each other, and they're just making notes on, a, on an iPad. That's not what we wanted out of that. But now they're forced to not only use the iPad, but then still talk to each other electronically. That's changing a lot right now too. Matt, were you gonna jump in there? Oh, okay, that's a no. Well, that's a perfect segue actually into our next uh, question or topic I wanted to talk to you about. I actually promised Dan that I would ask you this. This originated from Dan. So Dan, when you listen to this after the fact, I, I did fulfill my promise. Uh, and th this conversation is not meant to be like a like a sales pitch because that's just not what we're here to do. But Dan did ask, did want to ask you about the value of purchasing core solutions from a single provider so maybe maybe you're looking for a scheduling tool maybe you're looking for a like a bid hoster maybe you're looking for you know a project management solution whatever it is what's your thoughts on the whole maybe i should so you have two options basically you have option a which is i can you know individually research each sort of category and find the best product within each and it might be from different companies or option b you sort of find the company or organization that has the most complementary, comprehensive set of tools and then proceed with that. What's, what's your sort of uh, um, perspective on those potential inter integration capabilities between products? So I would love the idea of being able to go to one source to get everything we needed. And, um, and I'll, I'm gonna have to table that for a second to talk about my thought process behind that. But I've yet to be able to do that. I still have to go and look for my best in class out there. Um, I still have to go out there and find, hey, they are producing the best solution for this function. Now, they have the advantage. Um, 
when they when you start to combine and they start to talk to each other if they really talk to each other and this is something i've been thinking about recently and this is kind of coming to a head in my brain so let's see if this comes together the right way i've done all these integrations uh, with inter with um introducing project sites and all of that it's still an integration we're having to integrate that back to our cost control system and we have to all these integrations well and being in the midst of all these integrations i'm like i'm tired of my software integrating i want my software to collaborate with itself not just feed information back and forth but how do they actually work off of each other and so that's led to some of the conversations like with you guys with project site and crew site so I've got two that appear to be best in class. We've already implemented project site. We're getting ready to implement crew site. Now, how do we get them not to just kick data back and forth, not just in integration, but actually collaborate where one feeds some information, the other builds on that, and the other goes from there. And so that's what I'm looking for. So yeah, we've got to look for best in class, but the advantage of them being in-house and, and being that talking to each other natively gives them an advantage when it comes to best solution. So interesting. So um, yeah, I, I get what you say that, that the idea of having uh, a one source vendor is, is wonderful, but the reality is, and, and it's, it's an, it's actually a really great sign of what's going on in terms of the amount of startups that are out there that are innovating on, on very functionally focused products. Uh, and becoming that, you know, like you said, best in class for you name it, like taking a sliver of the project, of the project management uh, uh, um, the services that are out there and just innovating on it, um, which is which is which is great. That that is that is a great telltale sign of a very uh, healthy industry that is moving in the right direction. And there's there's private investment and all those type of things. So. Uh, with the reality that we're in now, uh, that you know, finding a single source is difficult for everything. So it's that integration is fantastic as opposed to interoperability. So to me, interoperability is all the same. Uh, is is crew site, eBuilder, and project site all working together? Uh, it, it is technically still an integration, but it's it's all in inter. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is we have to uh, you know, we've got to integrate with, with, with pipe, or we have to integrate with, you know, some other solutions on the outside, which again, becomes good for you, the customer, but to kind of touch on what you, you said, it's about, um, harnessing the data to actually help influence things that you're doing. So with the reality, this is a super long question. I apologize. Um, I have a tendency to do that. So with the reality that we're in, that it's it's a lot of different data sources feeding one another. From your side, you're kind of are there? Is there basically data science that you're doing? Is there are there are there data warehouses that you're utilizing? Uh, you know, uh, utilizing uh, any type of, of of reporting structure to help you get that information now, or is there a wish list that you have? So we're we're in the midst of that. We have a, a genius on our staff that goes in and he integrates with viewpoints and project sites and cost control system and a, 
and you just can glean data from all these different databases that are out there and try to pull that back and turn that data into usable information and does a really good job of that. And so we, we, he does, he spends a lot of time doing that. He now has someone that's working with him and we love to have David with us because he can pull that information together and do that. But then it doesn't end up living back in one of those original sources. And that's something, so now that data is pulled out and it's kind of living over in a side database. And so uh, he and I talk all the time about, well, how do we get that back to a, a home location? And getting excited about having something that can carry the, the bulk load of that instead of him having kind of private databases to decide. And so, yeah, you're best in class and you kind of pick what you need to and you pull it back in and you try not to ruin it when you pull it back in. Um, <laughs> you talk about the software, the best in class out there. You know, I have my best in class software. I've been using it. It's been great. It just got purchased by this other company. And oh, no. And my, my best in class software, what's going to happen to it? It just got assimilated into the system. Is it still going to even work? Yeah. And what's going to happen the next time I get a bill from them? Because it just got assimilated. Um, they'll, they'll, and that's hard about the best in class. And so there are, like you said, big advantages if I can go sole source and know where this is going and, and not have to worry about it getting bought up somewhere. Um, and so it, it's it's an interesting navigation. You just have to look at where it is, where it's going, um, and and hopefully as it continues to go, as they continue to come together, we get more of that master piece of um, source of truth where we can go to one place and get it. And eventually it'll probably get there. Um, but I, I just wonder how long it's gonna take. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think it's, it's interesting just to to you know it, it's a give and take. It's like a balance of a risk risk reward in terms of going with something that's best in class, but it's a not necessarily a startup, but it's a you know a standalone private entity. And then poof, yeah, it can get ingested, and and the best best pieces that you per perceive get thrown out and get put into some other product. But that's uh, maybe uh, a podcast for another day. Okay. Um, that uh, that uh, that we won't necessarily uh, uh, go down. So, but when we're talking about um, the different integrations, so most of the time when people think about integrations, especially when it comes to project management, um, it's 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 basically trying to take all the different pieces of the of the um, project management lifecycle in into account, um, and not necessarily the, the the conversation hasn't really been around um, the integrating the supply chain to affect the project management side of it. So um, had you given any ever given any thought to that in terms of actually integrating project management, so say your schedule, um, with actually uh, in-depth knowledge of, of what the supply chain looks like to try to obviously augment the schedule or change the schedule when, when, when needed? So yes, that's what we do all the time. How do we, how do we manage that? Right, especially, um, and so when you say supply chain, I, you know, lots of people are going to be thinking, you know, vendors that are providing a transformer or some major piece of equipment. Um, I'm also thinking trade contractors, right? How that's what Lean Last Planner is about is trying to ingest that information real time, and how do you do that and balance real time feedback with controls and knowing what your change is, and that balance between the two 
is part of the the magic that somehow has to take place is the balance between them. And so, yes, an ability for my vendor to go out there and give me updates and to be able to tell me that my major source of equipment is coming four days sooner than was originally scheduled so I can take advantage of that, but then also know that that change is happening so I can take advantage of that and not just be feeding a software system. And so that starts to get really integral. And, and it's not just the phase, all the different players. How, who else can do this? I mean, at some point in time, we should have the schedule down um, with our master software where the schedule is then notifying my authority having jurisdiction that in two days, I'm gonna need an inspection at this location. And then, in, you know, we can get to all of those different parties and groups. And so that branching out, historically software has necessarily been built for the general contractor to use it, or the trade contractor to use it, or the owner to use it. And I'm just now starting to see the, the master software started to be built where, hey, this is usable by the owner for their purposes um, and for the general contractor for their purposes. And the owner has the pieces they need for their overall program development. They need a higher level budgeting. They need a higher level schedule available to them. The contractor needs a more detailed level schedule and the ability to layer that information because it's easy to overwhelm any one of us with data at any given time. We have to have the data that's relevant and that translates into information. I could have, I could have used that information today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rebuilding my deck in my backyard and I'm getting, I'm getting low voltage lighting put in the steps that are coming up and, and uh, I've put that off. So I have my, 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 my landscaper coming back to kind of finish that up because my composite decking was supposed to be three to four weeks out. And I got a phone call today that it's coming tomorrow. So now I'm gonna have a nice pile of composite decking sitting on my driveway for, for two weeks. For two weeks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ben, I, I got, or Benjamin, I gotta ask you this question as the young guy on the pod. Um, you know, you've had a long su successful career. You said you started off as a project manager. What would you, what tips or advice would you give to the younger generation, I guess my generation, the people looking to pursue a career either in construction project management or BIM or, or, or whatever it may be, what 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 pieces of advice or, or tips would you give to people looking to pursue that type of career? All right. Um, so one of my, my kind of default pieces of advice back there is um, it's way too much work if it isn't fun. And so you gotta you gotta love this. You gotta have some passion. You've got to decide that you like doing it and and enjoy it and spend time learning to be better at it. Because if you if you just plain like building, which I do, I just enjoy doing it, then it's easy to go out there and study some extra hours or to stay up till midnight figuring out, well, that this is how I can organize this, this is how I route this, this is this is the systems I do. And um and so, you know, starting off as a scheduler in my mind, it's because I like logic puzzles. Mm -hmm. if you don't like logic puzzles, don't go chasing scheduling, right? Um, if you don't like, um, if you don't like all the face-to-face -face conversations, don't go be in business development. And so, pick something that you like doing in the industry, and then work to excel at it. 
don't don't just be there doing it. Um, go do something you love, and that just makes it fun, and you end up being successful. That's good stuff. Hey, well, Benjamin, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I think I know we're all working on tight schedules here, so I want to be cognizant of that. Um, where can uh, where can people find you on on LinkedIn if they have further questions for follow up or would like to pick your brain? Yeah, LinkedIn's a good one, Benjamin Crosby. I have a bunch there. Um, it's, uh, let's see, people coming to pick my brain. That's um, I'm used to the contacts at conferences and following up with those <laughs> things like that, but those are a little short these days. So, um, yeah, probably LinkedIn um, message there or my email address, bcrosby at wgh.com. That's right. probably best. the LinkedIn. I get behind on the messages there. Email me. <laughs> No worries. Before I threw my email out there on a podcast, but I'm good with that. (laughs) Well, perfect. Hey, Benjamin, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, Benjamin Crosby of Yates Construction, director of BIM over there. Uh, Benjamin has been a frequent contributor to everything we do content production-wise at at eBuilder and at Trimble. You might have noticed him or remembered him from our new normal series that we did uh, two or three two or three months ago. Um, I'm actually going to link that along with this show. So if you guys were curious to to hear his takes back then on how the construction industry has been pivoting in the time of you know this COVID nineteen pandemic, I will also go ahead and link that. So with that said, uh, thanks Benjamin for joining today's show. Uh, this so and actually one more announcement. I almost forgot this. The show is now live on Apple Podcasts. So we're not just live on Spotify anymore. We are diversifying our platforms. It finally happened. Apple, thank you for approving us. Thank Look you. at us. <laughs> Look at us expanding our horizons. So uh, it's available on both as well as SoundCloud also, but you're most likely a Spotify or Apple podcast listener. So with that said, thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Great. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it.